Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Of A Kind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Uh, what you eating there? Um, <laughs> this is not an ad. No. Um, <laughs> it's going to sound like it, though. It's the Go Macro Macro Bar Sweet Rejuvenation Cashew Butter. Um, cashew butter is the flavor? No, Sweet Rejuvenation is the flavor of... No. Cashew butter, I think, is the description what? of the flavor. Let me see. I'm telling you. Because the other one I had wasn't called Sweet Rejuvenation, and it was granola and coconut. I feel like they're usually more descriptive than this. Okay, well, Claire started eating this. Well, there this. is. It's called, it, the other description is vegan, macro, gluten-free. No, I mean <laughs> that they tell you actually what else is in this. I mean, this might just be cashew butter. Okay. There's probably other junk well, in so it. Well, so Claire always when we're recording eat something right before we're gonna record well, because i personally can't go a full two hours without no i know anything. i know but this was a particularly bad choice it was really bad it was dry but it was all i had in my bag because a couple weeks ago i've been trying to hydrate really aggressively for the marathon which will have happened by the time this airs <laughs> yep. um just you know to break the fourth wall um <laughs> and i I went to, so I went to buy some water, but I didn't have any cash. And I was like, I'll just buy these. I frantically chose So this is what came bars. into, this is how this came That's into your life. That's what that came into my life. I bought two. And I, in my head, I was like, I should give these away to somebody. I should put them in the freebie bin at the office. I'm never going to want them. And I, over the I course eat of the, these sometimes. I actually thought they're not bad. And I, I had the granola and coconut one yesterday. And I typically don't granola like. Granola and coconut? Yeah. Weird I feel like flavor, their flavors right? have changed a lot because the one I used to get was cashew caramel, which I thought was very descriptive. That disgusting. Very descriptive. It was, I think, probably what this flavor used to be called, this to be honest no with you. This has no caramel in it. Yeah. Well, I think they decided not to use the okay. word caramel on something they're trying to market as healthy. Yeah. That's good. Which is smart. So now yeah. they just call it cashew butter, which it's a bar, so it can't be cashew butter. But anyway, interesting. Yeah. It's like, it it's took so you four dry. minutes it's to still, chew this it's bar. It's still and, all in my mouth. <laughs> it's all over my mouth not going anywhere for a while yeah grab a go macro okay um like oh oh it that's its thing that no it says. that's, that's Snickers. Oh. That's Snickers. <laughs> i also 
that's the Snickers? I, I thought the yeah. Snickers one was like hungry, not going anywhere no, for a while. Hungry, why wait? Snickers. Hungry, why wait? I think it maybe's both. <laughs> maybe they've been maybe they've been A B testing and only and I've only gotten one and you've gotten the other. I think that's right. Can I tell you something that is kind of an ad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's about something on of a kind, so it's like a half ad. I it it's our God given right. It's what exactly. It is. <laughs> um, here's what I'm obsessed with. Everything Joanna Vargas. I'm with you. I'm okay. right there with you. So I was. She's like a fancy, famous facialist. Well, I was flipping through the November issue of Allure magazine, mm-hmm. and she is um, the top the top facialist in New York City. They just like went ahead and did that, which is a very big honor. That is a huge honor. Um, she tends to the complexions of people like Julianne Moore, um, who great, like I'm great. I skin. will do whatever Julianne Moore says. I think I we all should. Um, I agree. I like read an interview with her recently about how she walks on the shady side of the street to avoid the sun and her husband thinks she's a total nut for it. Um, And I was like, no, I like this person. I'm really into this person. Yeah. Super into it. Um, So back to Joanna Vargas. Mm -hmm. We have two face masks on the site from her. One is this exfoliating mask that is like this fruit enzyme. It's like this orange Mm -hmm. color. It's kind of creamy. I don't know. I'm very into it. You put it on, but then you wash it off in five or so minutes, which is so quick mm-hmm. um but it makes you feel like you did something you did a mask you mask um the other one is a hydrating sheet mask called, i like that thing a lot yeah the eden lift um eden instant lift mask um i did that before we had to get our picture taken the last time and i just felt so glowy and like it like i hadn't woken up at five in the morning i felt great two of my two of my favorite like small victories to quote a julian <laughs> tertian word um mm-hmm. for this mask are that one, it specifically says on the packet to squeeze out the extra goo and so to like rub it yeah. on your like neck or your arms your or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it was just like, you make the most of this product. Yeah. And then the other is that it comes in a pack of five, mm-hmm. which you should like buy and distribute to your friends or whatever. That's just wow, a nice so present, generous right? Of you. Well, I sent I sent friends things for um for Valentine's for, Day. Yeah, yeah. For like little I like sent friends uh face masks. Oh, for Mother's Day this oh, year. I sent nice friends face masks. And it was like nice to be able to just do like something little that's that you can cute. put in a little, you know, padded envelope and just mail it out there. That is- really wonderful um i was about to be offended i didn't get one you're not a mother yeah no it's yeah. true so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe it's someday fine. it's um, fine but you have not we're like i know how i know many minutes into this and you haven't said the most important thing Chat to the Chase Vargas, which we learned like way after falling in love with her is a university of chicago alumni like claire and i like us like lisa lucas who was just on the podcast the executive director of the like National marie joe our buyer so, like so many really important people in our lives um especially like my husband so much <laughs> so much this school has given us including a really Susan Im- sontag too let's just start piling them on <laughs> including including a very important facialist who this is super interesting mm-hmm. she studied photography and women's studies um and she was super into the way that women pr- were portrayed in media um and how like and she's brought that idea into the way that she treats women's skin and like it she's not this like big anti-ager she's like no just like you like age gracefully and like look like a freaking human i have a question if we had been at the University of Chicago at the same time as Joanna Vargas, do you think that we would have been friends or do you think we would have been like, that's that cool girl and we're intimidated mm. by her? You would have definitely had women's studies classes with her. That's so you would true. definitely have had an opinion for sure. That's true. 
I just feel like she would have been too cool for me. I would just be like, that's that cool girl who wears like who like hangs out off campus and, and like has like, those yeah. loafers I could never pull off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, if you want to get a little bit closer to Joanna Vargas, here's what you do. Um, you use the code a few things for 10% off either of these masks. Wow, two things are getting this this code. This is huge. Yeah, we rarely do this, but it just felt like a whatever mask you want, as yeah. long as it's by Joanna Vargas and I'm not the <laughs> it's kind. It's yours. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, should we bring on our guest? Let's do it. We are here with Joy Cho, who is the founder of Oh Joy, which you've probably been reading for years and years and years and years and years. Her brand now includes product lines, how-to videos, and of course, the blog um, that has been there since the beginning. And Joy has also written three books. Joy, hey. Hi. Hey, Joy, Hi, guys. Thanks I for having a, me. I have oh a my question gosh. after listening to that intro. <laughs> when you meet people at parties and they say, what do you do? What do you tell them? Yeah. Ooh, good one. Oh, that's such a good question. So it depends on what kind of party I'm at. <laughs> okay, okay. I have different versions. Okay. So I'll give you two main scenarios. Okay. If I'm at like a creative-ish party with people who probably have odd jobs too, mm-hmm. I will say, um, I'll usually say I'm a designer okay. and a blogger and then kind of leave it at that and then mm-hmm. see if they want to know more. If I go to events for my husband's job and he is a physician, which is a lot more serious and a lot more straightforward in terms of what people are used to hearing in terms of jobs. I will usually say designer. I don't normally say blogger because a lot of people don't think that being a blogger is a real job Mm -hmm. and I want to come across as serious. And so I'll say designer and I'll sort of emphasize where our products have been sold. Mm -hmm. And when I can say target, then people are like, Oh, target because everybody knows what target is. And then that helps them to visualize like what I might do. And then I'll kind of go into a little bit more specifics, but um, so it's slightly different. Designer is kind of always the main thing that I say that I do. And then depending on how interested they are, I will expand because I don't know. I'm one of those people where even though I seem extroverted, mm-hmm. I'm actually really kind of shy when talking to strangers and yeah. I try to not to give them that much information because I feel like <laughs> I don't think people care. And then they want to know more. Care. And I was like, yeah. oh, I should have just told you more from the right. first time. <laughs> Um, I also love that you were talking about, you know, that you don't think blogger gets taken seriously. And you are a serious blogger. I mean, you you have had your site for a decade at this point, And, I, you, yeah, you know, you were there years. super it's early. Crazy. Twelve years. That is so impressive. Um, can you can you just sort of walk us through the like high level trajectory of what where you started it and then where you are now? Sure. So I started my blog 12 years ago and my blog started at the same time as Ojoy, which was a design company. Okay. And so really it came out of having transitioned. I had left New York. I had had a couple of great design jobs in New York, left New York to move back to Philly where I'm from. Right. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was just starting a long-term residence scene. We were trying to move in together and get engaged and all that stuff. So it really started by accident because I was just looking for a new job and I um, needed a creative outlet. I started the site, um, the actual blog, as an online sketchbook. And then I was still looking for a job, but I need to make money. So I started freelancing graphic design, which is what I studied. And as the blog grew and as I was getting more clients, design clients, through people who were reading the blog, it turned out within a year later that I was like, oh, if I just keep you know, marketing more, if I keep putting myself out there, I could have enough work that I could do this full time and Mm -hmm. just 
have this business and not go get a, another design job. So mm-hmm. that's what happened in the early years. Um, I designed for clients for a very long time, even as the blog grew and even as people knew of Ojoy as a blog and not a design company, like outward facing, yeah. really my design work was, was what was making money for the longest time. And it probably wasn't until my first daughter was born in 2011 that I was at a point where I could focus more on my own brand and not everyone else's brands. And then I stopped taking client work and uh, we focused more on doing products and licensed products and uh, sponsored content and co-branded content with other brands and a mix of what I have done in the design world that I still love to do, which is design and make things, but then also as that term influencer mm-hmm. or blogger partnering with other brands to be able to create content, integrating whatever their service or their product is in a creative way that our audience will like. So it's a mix primarily of those two things now. And I went from just being me working from home and now we are in a space in LA and I have five full-time employees almost wow. six soon. Amazing. And, um, yeah, but you know, it wasn't overnight. Like I yeah, think a lot totally. of people see, they see what has happening now. They don't know. I've been around for 12 years. They don't realize I was working mostly by myself for eight years before I got any full-time employees. 12 years and, is a serious um, hustle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like constantly, you, you know, you grow and then you take risks in order to grow more, which includes hiring people and you keep going from there. So, um, Listening to to all of this, I'm so curious, were you part of, I think, what makes you so appealing to follow is that people really feel like they know you personally, and obviously they're engaged with your kids and your husband and, and what's going on in your life, and 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 they love your design too, and it's this sort of amazing marriage, you know, people, it's sort of the, the, full, um, the, full, the package. full package, and it's a principle that Avakine was built on, right, that like when you love somebody's work and you love like what they do, you love also to know mm-hmm. the story behind it and what's driving it. Mm-hmm. So were you always um, from the beginning sharing so much about your personal life on your blog, or did that come with the sort of sea change to dropping clients' work and stuff like that? Yeah, it evolved. I mean, I think that when I first started my blog, and this is the early, early days before there were really that many, it wasn't about me. I mean, I think I shared a little bit, and you would see my picture from time to time, but it wasn't all the time. It was really more focused on design and other people and other designers and artists that I would find, and really more about featuring them. And I think it was probably around 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, when blogging became more of a thing. And that's mm-hmm. when a lot of like the huge bloggers that everybody knows of today started, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of fashion bloggers. When people started realizing that um, you and your voice and you as part of the site or the brand was important because it made it unique, whoever mm-hmm. that person was, that's when I started showing more of myself. You know, I'm not somebody who like loves to have my picture taken or like mm-hmm. wants to be in front of the camera all the time, but I also over time grew to get used to it and be okay with it. And so I realized that with every story, with everybody who's trying to do something out there in the world, what social media allows you to do is to share your voice. And part of your voice is you and however that is, is if, whether that's the way you write, whether that's the way you dress, whether it's the way that you design something, whether it's 
the way you sing, whichever. And so that's when I started being a little bit more personal um, with it. Um, but it's also evolved since then. You know, there was a time when you would see my kids on my blog and it would be very personal. Like every every month of my my daughter, my first daughter's life, I did a monthly update as if my blog was my personal journal. <laughs> Your and baby now book. I'm just like, who, nobody, and, and not that, I don't think people care, but I don't want to be sharing my kids stuff all the time. Yeah. Like they, they have been less and less on the blog, um, less in social media. They're still around. You see mm-hmm. them from time to time, but they are not the focus and nor were they ever, but they're much less of a focus now because as they grow, it's been really important for me to make sure that that, that evolves. Yeah. Is there, do you have any philosophies around that or is there like a reason that you pulled it back a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so hard to say because yeah. I think that when when I first was little, I didn't think anything of it. And I always thought, okay, well, at some point, she probably won't be on there at all. But my husband and I talked about it, and he he didn't necessarily seem concerned. We weren't like we weren't saying, oh, we need to be anonymous or like yeah. never show our baby's face. But at the same time, the world is the world, and you also want to like not be um, you know not be trapped in a bubble about it. So. I always just, for me, it just came to the point where when people were asking my kids to be in things Mm. um, and it wasn't, it wasn't natural to me and it wasn't about, oh, I just did this and I'm sharing with you. And that was a hundred percent fully my choice. It was like, okay, we want you to do this project, but your kids have to be in it. And this is how much it's going to be. Like, I didn't want them to be, I didn't want to get a, you don't want them to be part of the business model. Yes, exactly. And, you know, some, some people are fine with it because I don't judge other people um, who may have their families and things because their, their site and their content is based on family or is based on their personal life. But mine is based on design and is based on all the other things we do. And family is a small part of it, but it's not the only part of it. So, so really sad. And I think also as my kids get to be more aware and um, sometimes people recognize us and come and say hi, and I love that, and it's great, and I love meeting readers and fans and all of that, but I also am just like, ah, oh, do my kids understand, like, what it is that they're responding to or yeah. why people um, are coming to say hi? And so it's tough, though. There's no right answer. That's that's what we've chosen to do, and I think there's, for everyone, <clears throat> there are some standard things that I think that everyone should probably follow, like, don't show the outside of your house. Right. Don't post things in live time, like especially with Instagram stories. If mm-hmm. we're in a restaurant and I want to share the restaurant, I just save that video and I post it later because you never know. Yeah. You know, I don't, I love meeting people, but if somebody were to be, you know, questionable about certain things, I yep. don't need to know exactly where I am at the exact time. So, and like, I don't show like photos of them naked, um, even right. babies. So yeah. stuff like that. That's super interesting. That's like very, that's very good intel. Very um, I like having that. Yeah. Aside from this sort of thinking around, obviously, you know, putting them on the blog and on your Instagram and all of that, has having kids changed the way you approach your design work at all or, or sort of inspired you to pursue other projects? Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things. Um, one is that after having kids, I certainly want to design more things for kids and mm-hmm. for babies because I think that's a natural um, circumstance that happens with designers is that all of a sudden you have this need for something that you wish existed Mm -hmm. or that you want in your aesthetic. And so if 
and then you sort of figure out a way to make it happen. Yep. So that happened with our our baby collection, our first baby collection that launched last year. It was right around after my second baby was born. Um, and then also, I think it's also uh, in general when you have kids, you learn how to make decisions faster. You learn how to prioritize, and you're just like quicker at editing or making decisions and that whole process that goes through your head both in work and in life. So I think that they've affected it also on a on a level of the way that my brain functions and just trying to get things checked off a list where I don't harp on things as much and I don't dilly-dally on things as much because I don't have the time to. Totally. Um, what has it been like figuring out how to incorporate a team into a brand that was really just about you and your work? Well, it happened very gradually over time. So it's not like it was me and then all of a sudden six people showed up. Right. It really was. Um, I got to a point in 2013 where I had just signed my first Target contract and more sponsored content. Was what needed, was that like signing your first Target contract? Was that a moment for you? I remember as a as a member of your audience feeling like it was a real moment. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing because I always had that goal. Like I, I designed for Cynthia Rowley back in the day when mm-hmm. she was one of the first designers at Target. And I designed um, a good chunk of her collection as one of my, as my second job. And for me, that was amazing. But I also knew that one day I wanted to be able to have my, my designs and my name on products. Yeah. And ideally a target. So I have so full circle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so really it happened very gradually because I started off with getting one part time admin assistant and one uh, crafting slash styling assistant, and they both started off part time. And then I got a, des- uh, a designer to help me because I was previously designing everything, and then I was about to go into a contract that was going to need like 250 items designed. Wow. Um, so basically, I had three people start part time over the course of a year, and then within the next year after that, they all became, or most of them became full time. And then every year, I probably added one person, and that's where we are today. So as the need grows, some part of a job that I used to do has gotten has been given to somebody else. I now have a full-time designer. I now have a full-time stylist. I have now have a full-time crafting assistant. Um, I now have a full-time admin assistant. And then just recently, my most recent hire this year was social me- a social media coordinator because I was previously posting it all myself as well. Um, and so, yeah, it really is just sort of like I, when I get to the point where I can't do that thing anymore and I know that somebody else could do it better and stronger who can focus on it, that's when it's time for yep. me to find someone. So it's been gradual, you know, and I think that with every new person, there's that combination of making sure they understand the aesthetic and like it, but they also don't have to be somebody who was a huge fan because it's really more about how good of a job you can do, not that you're not that you're a super fan, a super Ojoy fan totally. from the start. Um, what have been the hardest things for you to let go of with the business to pass off to somebody else? Oh, you know, honestly, it's, I think it's probably the fun stuff. I yeah. mean, because I still do a lot of the not fun stuff. That's, that's sort of owner. always how it goes, isn't it? Like you pass <laughs> off all the fun stuff. Yes, you do. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to be styling a photo shoot. I would love to be designing every product yeah. and, um, and now I oversee all of that and I still work with everybody to make sure that my vision comes across, but I don't get to physically always do that from start to finish. I'm coming, I'm coming at the beginning in and out during the middle in and out towards the end. And then 
there to, you know, the whole way through. But um, I think that's, that's probably it because especially with, with Instagram and everything and everybody sees all of our visuals, it's a, it's all the team effort. I mean, I think that everybody gives me the credit because my name is on the brand, but at the same time, everybody has had a hand in what happened to make that photo or to make that project or to make that product. And I, I've been trying to make sure that people see my team more. We do this dress in the team series, which Mm -hmm. is like where we have one type of clothing and then we all wear it and how it works with our different styles or different body types. And so I'm just trying to make sure people know it's not just me because I couldn't, I couldn't do this all by myself. I'm also jealous because you guys have really cool team outings. I feel like you're really good at team bonding. (laughs) What have been some of your best team outings? I want to hear about this. Yeah. I mean, I think I learned a lot from my previous jobs in terms of I didn't when I had my previous job I didn't plan to be a business owner so I wasn't yeah. like sitting there taking notes on like how do you how do you do this but you know I remember how I felt I remember when I felt good I remember when I felt bad and I just remember different experiences so I really use that to as I started adding people um, which is so different than just working by yourself. Yeah. I remember the feeling, the feelings and the things that I wanted to make sure that I did to make people feel like they did a good job, to make them feel like they were valued, to make them feel like they were part of a team. And so we are a small company and we're small enough that everybody knows each other and we all see each other every day and we all eat lunch together. But I also want to make sure that I value things like you know, their anniversary, like we go, we always celebrate everybody's work anniversary. We celebrate everybody's birthday with a team outing of some sort. Um, we always celebrate, uh, and, and then in terms of regardless of their anniversary or their birthday, mm-hmm. usually once a month or so, we'll make sure that we're going out to something. And it could be like checking out a chocolate store. It could be going to get a fun lunch, or it could be something that's more creative in nature or going to a museum. Um, and then the last two years, when we've had our Ojoy anniversary, I've taken them on, like, a longer retreat. So last year we went to Palm Springs for a night, and then this year we went to San Francisco for the day to go to the new um, Museum of Ice Cream there and Color Factory. So, like, two fun, very very Instagram-y, <laughs> totally. very creative experience. Totally, totally. You sound like a great boss. Yeah, really. I'm feeling really, I'm feeling really bad. I know. Same. I'm like, when in our schedule next week can we go get ice cream with the whole team? It takes up a ton of time though. It is time consuming. People think that we don't work. I mean, I think that if you watch our stories, mine plus a few of the girls here will also story pretty regularly. You know, we're not showing everything. I'm not, nobody wants to see me talking on the phone or doing. No. Yeah. Nobody, nobody Instagram stories. They're either email responding. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, I, everybody works really hard and we have very reasonable hours. And so when we're here, we're all very busy and our day is packed. But when we can take a break, I think also as a creative company, um, even though we're doing creative things all the time, you still get stuck in a rut. And I do all the time where I run out of ideas or I think I have nothing left in my brain to offer. And so things like that, I think, just help keep our brains fresh and just getting away from the computer or the normal day to day. That is a very good reminder. Yeah, seriously. Q1 um, goals. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm 2018 like, goals. I'm like, I don't know if we can do that before Christmas, but Q1 <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I was really interesting when you were talking about the moment where you started giving up client work, but started working more on Oh Joy collections. How did it 
how is it different designing for clients versus designing, you know, from the Ojoy perspective? That's such a good question because the first time I designed my own collection, it was a stationary line in 2007 and I put my own money into it. This was not a license. I think I remember thing, this. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually really hard because with client work, you have set specs, yeah. you have set deliverables, you have an aesthetic you have to work with, and you just apply your style and your talent to that yeah. list of deliverables. When it's for you or what you think is for you, but it's really your future customer, you the the world, like anything could be possible. And at the time too, Oh Joy was not exactly what it was today where you're like, okay, color and pattern and whimsy. Mm -hmm. There were some of those elements, but I, I had to make it into what it would be in terms of a product. So it was actually really, really hard. And, um, you know, I look back at our first collection and some of it feels right, but it's, it's definitely evolved over time for sure. Um, and I think in general, it's, it's sometimes it's harder to design for yourself. Uh, but we've always, since now we do only do licensing, we always have a partner. The partner is whoever makes it, and yeah. they are very clued into sales and what's going to work. And so there's a little bit, there is a, while they're not necessarily a client per se, there is a partner who yeah. will have feedback. And so while sometimes it makes it such that we can't always have everything we want, but it also makes it such that we have a better understanding of why something shouldn't go forward because yeah. it might not be worth it because it's not going to sell or the price point is too high or whatever logistics may be attached to it. Can you give us any insights into what it's like to design a Band-Aid? My God, I loved that yeah, collaboration. I mean, we loved that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, what's so funny is our Band-Aids were just spotted last night on This Is Us in like Whoa. a medicine store. And I didn't know because I, was, I wasn't watching it live and I was at a dinner and my friend texted me and then like another, somebody else on Instagram messaged me um, and then the brand messaged me, you know. So it was That's a, a fun, awesome. random thing. It, they're so because, cool. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like we arranged that. It's just kind of some, yeah. some prop stylist or, <laughs> prop or set designer probably just had them and stuck them in there. But anyway, um, designing Band-Aids is like, in some ways, it's, it's it's like a best of because there's basically like 20 blank canvases, yeah. 20 little blank canvases. And we have a lot of patterns that we have created over the years or that we are actively creating now for future products. And so it gives us a chance to kind of put a whole bunch of them together because there doesn't have, there doesn't have to be a specific theme and all oh joy things roughly all work together and then they mix and match. So it's like we, a mini portfolio. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a mini portfolio, totally. <laughs> and, that, and the only difference is that you have to look at it at a very small scale and the way that it prints, mm -hmm. it's not like paper. There's those tiny, tiny little holes. Yeah, so yeah. There are certain patterns that you can't, anything with really fine lines you can't do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it can't be something that has like a painterly texture. It has to be vector artwork. So there's like little details here and there, but it's relatively easy comparatively to some of the three-dimensional things that we do because mm -hmm. It's, it's a little bit, it's like the closest thing to printing paper mm -hmm. of the things that we do, uh, even though it's not actually on paper. I just thought it was so genius and then was like, why isn't Band-Aid partnering with everybody? Like, like this really seems fancy like a, fashion yeah. designers and really fancy artists. Like, I just, I have a lot of ideas for Band-Aid's marketing department. If you want to tell them to give me a call. <laughs> um, it's like the same yeah, way I yeah. feel about Ikea finally doing collaborations with yeah. their bags where I'm like, this is a right. perfect canvas. Totally. Thank you for letting Hey Design, mm -hmm. like, redesign this bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, this just feels so right. 
Um, um, totally. Yeah, I love those band-aids. They are so cool. And and Erica loves This Is Us. So. Yeah. <laughs> a, real, a real match oh, for us. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, you've been in L.A. for a bit now. What did What is inspiring you about L.A. right now? Oh, well, I don't – so I'm from Philly, just to right. give you some context. I'm from um, right East outside Coast of Girl. Philly. I'm from Wilmington, oh, that's Delaware. Right. I yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like – and you guys are in New York now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I lived in New York. I lived in Philly. I'm a huge East Coast girl, and, and I lived there until I was 30. So I now have been here for roughly eight years. And it's weird because while my heart still is there, and I love it every time I visit – there's something about California that feels like I was always meant to be here. And I think that, um, number one, I was always crabby in the wintertime mm-hmm. when I lived on the East Coast. The dark nights and coldness and all that, I would just turn into a different person. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is a mood. It's a mood lifter. And secondly, I think it's also the sense of color. Like, I didn't know that I liked color so much until I moved to California where people are more open to wearing bright colors and patterns. Cause in New York, everybody wears black and gray, or at mm-hmm. least that's how it was when I lived there. And, um, Erica just looked really down wear... at what she was wearing to see if it was true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, for yeah. Like, yeah. This is like the one day a week where I'm not wearing those colors. I'm wearing leopard print, which <laughs> so is very rare for you. I'm feeling very you're proud. You're wearing black and beige. <laughs> yeah. In a pattern. That's okay. Right. In that's a pattern. Right. It's true. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. Continue. <laughs> continue. Yes. No. And you know, it obviously, evolves with trends and years and stuff but it but the the vibe out yeah. here for sure is just more colorful because it's warm year-round so I mean I love it my uh, my family is still in Philly and my husband's parents are still in Philly so we go back and forth and you know that's the only one thing that's really missing is that our parents aren't super close but mm-hmm. Our lifestyle here is great. Our kids have a great uh, environment to grow up in. Um, we have so many opportunities to just do things year-round that are just things that are going on in the city that are either free or very inexpensive. And it's not – while it's expensive to live in L.A., it's not expensive to do things in L.A. Mm-hmm. because there's so much that you can do mm-hmm. year-round. And that's what I really love about it. And I also think that it's a city where it can be whatever you want it to be. Like if you're more into art, if you're more into music, if you're athletic or if you're into hiking, um, everything's here. You just have to carve out, you know, just just find out where it is and go and find it. I love that. I know. That's a really good, like the city of L.A. should should (laughs) use this in their marketing campaign or something because that was very (laughs) inspiring. (laughs) Um, <laughs> thank Joy. you. I mean, I really, I used to hate LA. So for me to say I love it now is a big, wow. Big that is, yeah, I was, I, that does not sound like the, the an LA hater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on Joy. This has been so wonderful. We really loved having you. Thank you so much. Um, great chatting with you guys. Check out Same. Oh Joy on her blog on the, I mean, just Google Oh Joy. She's got... <laughs> There's so many things to see. There's so many things to see. She's got a line in Target. She's got these Band-Aids that I'm obsessed with. She has a Klee Tile collaboration. There's so much happening. Oh, my gosh. You've been listening to a few things. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. Overcast. Big and Overcast. Leave us reviews. We love reviews. The reviews really help other people find this podcast. And here's the thing. If you want us to continue to keep doing this podcast, we need to grow our audience. We need to get this thing big. We're let's, putting this on you. Let's, We're putting let's this make on you. some money. Let's all get rich with this fancy podcast, right? No, no. no not everybody's getting rich off this. Mm. Do, you want us, do you want us to keep doing it? Rich with information.
nah, not into it. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you're interested in advertising, yeah. Email us at advertising at ofakind.com. If you're interested in telling us what you'd like to listen to, what annoyed you about this podcast, email us at a few things at ofakind.com. That's the show. guys write in and ask about our theme song it is called butterfield east and it is composed and performed by the soulful saints you can check them out over at dallarecords.com that was a headgum podcast